Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast, part golf, part business. I'm Brian Claude, along with my co-host Lee Nelson. We take a closer look into all things golf and business. We focus mainly on the Des Moines metro area because that's where we live, work, and play. But we aren't afraid to step out of the box and share our opinions on other topics as well. We certainly aren't experts, but we do like to have fun. And we are glad you're along for the journey. Now let's get it. Welcome to the Two Putt Podcast. I'm Brian, along with my boy Lee. Lee, how are things going with you today? Good, good. Happy to be here. Fun today. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, this uh, whole coronavirus thing has definitely turned our our daily schedules upside down. That's for sure. Absolutely, it's it's getting pretty tough to find uh, what you're supposed to be doing when you're so used to doing the stuff that you've you've always done, and now we're we're trying to scramble and figure out what a, a day-to-day life looks like on the other side. Well, and just to kind of catch our listeners up here a little bit, obviously um, Lee is the athletic director down in Indianola. Um, he's a father to three. And so um, being sitting at home, not doing much is, is very unusual for him as, as well as my myself as a realtor here in the Des Moines metro area and uh, three kids with one on the way at home. Um, we're not, we're not used to just kind of sitting around twirling our thumbs on top of that. We're both huge sports junkies and nothing on TV. So it, uh, it definitely feels like, uh, we're both lost puppies. Absolutely. And you know, so much of my life is, is done at night. So I'm usually not home. You know, I don't, I don't sit around with the kids and get to hang out and eat dinner and, and get them to bed. And, and now it feels like I'm, I'm able to do that all the time, which is great. But on the other side, the reason why we're doing it isn't as isn't as good. So, um, yeah, it's just such a big change for for me, and I know it is for you too. But it, to to be able to be a dad a little bit more than than we're generally used to. Yeah, I definitely think if we can, uh, you know, f- get to a get to a solution with this whole virus and kind of get life back to normal as we once knew it, um, hopefully we all get an opportunity to see this as a good little reset um get to get your batteries recharged um maybe align your thinking a little bit as far as you know what's important and and maybe what you can do to make your life a a little more efficient and you know try to find the silver lining in what is obviously as we all know not a not a positive situation yeah and i think the biggest thing is this isn't all negative i mean i think we can find some positives in pretty much any situation in life And, and this is a good reminder of you know the the gift of time and how important that is and how you can still take advantage of those other things in your life that maybe get pushed down the list a little bit further. So it's not all negative. There's certainly some positives that we can take out of this. Yeah. And one of those positives will hopefully um, be that golf. Um, one of our, our main, our main parts here on this two putt, two part uh, podcast is that we, you know, we like to focus on golf. Golf uh, has been a big part of both of our lives here for a long time. And, and hopefully, uh, hopefully, once we get some of these kids uh, more grown up and uh, move down the line, we'll become even a bigger part once we, once that time thing whole frees up for us again. But um, you know, golf, uh, as we both have talked about before, will hopefully be one of the sports that we'll see back in action maybe a little bit sooner than some of the others, just because of the nature of of the game and the way that's which it's played, and obviously the limited exposure in which that the athletes and 
and the patrons have in golf. But, uh, you know, I think one of the other things that we kind of want to dive into and I'm going to ask you as far as what you've kind of seen and noticed is what, you know, what impact, because we're coming into spring. I mean, obviously still weather's a little um, unsettled right now here in Iowa, but uh, how, how do you see or um, what do you think is coming here as far as a little bit of the impact that the coronavirus is having on golf here in the Des Moines metro area? Well, as you mentioned, the, the weather's always the ultimate wild card during the spring in Iowa and, and how that affects golf courses. But now you throw this other wrinkle into it. And I know, you know, I'm a big legacy golf fan. I think it's an awesome course. And um, I try to stay in tune. I get some emails from them every once in a while. And I see that they are opening back up. Uh, some of their different things they're doing is they aren't going to do any more online tee times. You have to call in to get your tee time. Uh, they aren't going to take cash anymore. So you'll just pay with a card. Uh, carts are available. That, that surprised me a little bit. I thought that would be the, the big one that maybe courses would, you know, say that you could play, but you got to walk, you know, especially if you have a couple people in a cart when you're talking about social distancing. Um, but you know, there's only so many precautions you can take. You still want to get people out there and, and golf is a good escape because of the way it's played to be able to still do this while you are social distancing. Uh, there's no, no driving range available there but obviously they're trying to make it safe for everybody to do but at the same time still run their business that will that will get some people out there and make some money so i think there'll definitely be some tweaks here and there until we get this whole thing figured out but i definitely think hopefully we'll get some weather uh pretty soon that will allow us to get out to the golf course and you know hopefully we can take advantage of those opportunities when we do yeah, and the weather that we've had even here this week, it's it's amazing on how green things are starting to get around here. We've had a couple couple days with I mean not really heavy rain or anything, but we've just had some had some light rain and some warmer temperatures here. And so it just seems like even in the last day or two things are really starting to pop. And um I know you mentioned legacy, but I've seen I saw some people, actually saw quite a few people yesterday out at Urbandale Golf. Um seen some people down at Beaver. Um, like I said, I got an email the other day on an event, uh, out at Woodland, uh, Woodland Hills and, um, event that they have coming up. And so it's kind of one of those things where, like you said, these, these, uh, these courses and, um, these company businesses essentially are trying to make sure, um, you know, they can do what they can to obviously protect the, the public, but at the same time, you know, give, give people that escape and, um, give them an opportunity to kind of, to, to get out and, uh, you know, enjoy themselves a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the, the fun part has been the biggest challenge with all this. You know, it, when you're kind of confined to your house and you're relying on the weather to, to be able to do some things, um, it is nice to have a reason to go do something. And I think we're both probably excited to get the golf season underway and, and be able to get out and do some things like that, and especially something that we love to do. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to as as things uh, move on um, here in the spring into the summer and as well as we move down the road on this podcast to being able to to dive in a little bit more as far as some of the local courses that we have an opportunity to get out and play as well as, you know, as the outings, um, obviously, with both both our positions, um, outings ends up being quite a bit of of what our golf entails right now um, through different sponsorships and businesses. And so, We'll obviously talk uh, more extent as far as the courses and um, how things go for us as as the season moves on. But uh, let's shift gears here a little bit and take a look at the PGA Tour. 
obviously no action right now, um, which is kind of a bummer. Um, the biggest news, obviously, dealing here is the Masters. Uh, this is that time of year uh, in which that you know we should be watching March Madness and should be preparing for the Masters, but uh, but obviously we're not. And so, what do you see with the the PGA schedule, and um, what are you hearing as far as what what that might look like in in this condensed season? Well, the the last update is they've canceled their their play through the Byron Nelson, which. Uh, was supposed to be May 7th to the 10th. And then the following week was going to be the PGA Championship. Um, they've already postponed that. You know, with the the majors being shifted uh, the last couple of years, it kind of seems weird there to be talking about the PGA Championship. But um, after that, I think you pretty much have to speculate on how they do it. You know, with other sports, they've talked about pushing the season back. But with certain tournaments being scheduled already, you know, what does that look like for the rest of the year? Um, do you do you move tournaments off their dates? Do you cancel tournaments that maybe you consider, you know, not as important? Um, but, you know, when you're talking about moving two majors already, you know, where do you put those in the schedule? Uh, the U.S. Open currently scheduled uh, middle of June and then the Open Championship middle of July. Uh, you know, you, you try to give them some time in between so they can prepare. And so they, you know, a lot of guys don't like to play every single week. Then you throw in the Olympics. It just got postponed for a year. Uh, that was scheduled to be in, in late July, early August. You know, is that a time that they could plug a major in? You know, it seems like a natural fit. That's going to be a pretty big tournament for, for some people, obviously not as many as a normal PGA tour event, but that seems like a logical place to, uh, to plug one in. And then, you know, if you're talking about extending the season, you know, what do you do at those FedEx Cup events, especially when you talk Tour Championship, which is supposed to be the last term of the year. But if you're pushing majors back, does that mean you have to move the Tour Championship back? Because that, you know, that's kind of the culmination of your top 30 guys in the PGA Tour. Uh, there's just so many things up in the air. And then, you know, lastly, you know, a big event being the Ryder Cup that's scheduled for late September. You know, a lot of guys – you know, have to work to, to qualify for, for that event. Well, if they're not able to play, how do you get to qualify for it? So I think there's just a lot of things that, that are going to have to fall into place. And, you know, certainly there's somebody that's a lot smarter than us that's going to, to figure all that out. And, and hopefully we can see uh, four majors in, a, in some of those big tournaments at the end of the year that we're used to seeing, but maybe that's on a different timeline than, than what we're used to. Well, and a couple of the hurdles, too. I mean, you talked about with this being a Ryder Cup year, and um, obviously that's up in Wisconsin, Whistling Straits, uh, late September. I mean, you're already running into a weather issue in late September up in Wisconsin. I mean, it, it's you just you just don't know um, as far as what's going to come with that. And so that's, that's obviously an issue. I mean, same thing, you know, with Augusta National and the way in which that that course works. You know, that course is one of the first open, but also one of the first to shut down. And so what would it – you know, what would it look like if that gets moved to, to early fall or late summer as far as the, the course and um, the condition and the play and how, how it's different? Um, but it's also, you, you know, obviously a lot more goes into this logistically than just, well, oh, there's that open date on the calendar. I mean, you know, there's a lot that needs to go into the, the TV side to the player side, as you mentioned. But one of the things that I think about, and maybe you can shed some light on this but as far as with some of these guys and uh qualifying and their qualifiers 
you know, maybe this was your one opportunity um, to be able to go and play in the Masters. And what would that look like? Have you read or seen anything as far as um, if it, things do get moved, if they get um, exemption to be able to play in next year's Masters, or, or what does things look like on that side? You know, I haven't seen anything about that, but I'd have to imagine that um, if there aren't golf tournaments, you know, that's the, the way that people qualify. You know, if, if you're trying to qualify for the Masters next year throughout a series of tournaments this summer, uh, if they don't have those tournaments, it almost seems like a natural progression that you would just move everything back. But I do think uh, they'll find a way to play the Masters. If there's one sporting event in the game of golf that, that they'll carve some time out for and they're able to, I certainly think the Masters is going to be one of those types of things. So, um, you know, it, it's hard to, to speculate about all this and, and what that's going to look like for, you know, the 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 small details in this whole thing. But I definitely think the Masters is probably one they're going to figure out a way to get on that schedule this year whenever they can resume. Yeah, it's probably going to – they're probably uh, the one that walks into the room and they're going to pick the date and everybody else is going to say, okay, we'll plan around that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's – it's it comes with the territory for the Masters. They can kind of uh, dictate uh, what everyone else does because of the, the scope and how big that tournament is. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, that's something, that's something we got to see. I mean, that's, that's an event that uh, I know that you and I would assume all of our listeners really, really look forward to every year. And so as we talked about in the opening too, I mean, sometimes some good comes out of it, you know, it, it would be fun to fun to see that course maybe a little bit different time of year and, and see how the players are able to handle it. And, you know, a little, little shake up now and then is never a bad thing. Well, it, wouldn't it be a ton of fun to see golf tournaments where the big ones are, you know, every other week, you know, for a, a small amount of time. I mean, there's a, a pretty big gap in between majors where guys may not play, you know, maybe play one time depending on what tournaments are in between. But I mean, you think about every other week, if we got to watch a major on TV and, and get into that, that'd be a, that'd be a ton of fun to, to follow along for a month or, or two. Brooks Kepka would actually uh, have quite the change in his schedule if he had had majors lined up like that. Yeah, he would he would literally just play four majors and probably call it a year. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that guy just wants to to play those big tournaments. And um, yeah, that that wouldn't actually probably make him too upset. His season would be two months long and then he would uh, take a break for the other 10. Yeah, he probably would. And he, according to him, he doesn't play a lot of practice rounds either. So he would. Uh, go hard for a month and then probably just get a hangout. It probably wouldn't be all bad. Yeah. I mean, he says that he doesn't really love playing golf. He just happens to be really, really good at it. Which is just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy because you watch that guy um, hit a golf ball and you're just like, man, this, this kid is, he's something else. He's something special. He's a lot of fun, to, uh, a lot of fun to watch. And so if we had a full month of uh, him being healthy and, and ready to go, uh, I would, uh, I'd sign up for that any day. Absolutely. Well, with that, then let's uh, let's shift and take a look at some of um, some of these players. And obviously, we they're so early, uh, so, so early in the season here. But uh, we have a little bit of an idea as far as what we've seen is who's healthy and um, who's come uh, ready to go early on in the in the season here. But uh, what do you got? Who who's your uh, early on favorite um, to be the either number world's number one by the end of the year or the PGA player of the year. Yeah, you know, this probably doesn't come as a surprise to, to anybody that follows golf, but I think Rory McIlroy is going to have a, a big year this year. And I say big, probably, probably even bigger than big. I think he's just set to, to really 
really go into to this year and whenever it is that he gets started and, and have a huge year. I mean, he's so talented. Um, he's had some some tough years, but, you know, you, it wasn't that long ago when you uh, thought that guy was going to win every single tournament that he played in. And I, I don't think it's uh, from a lack of talent or preparation. It, golf is such a an interesting game from you've got to have a lot of things line up to, to win a golf tournament. There's probably nothing more difficult in sports than to, you know, beat all those guys on a, on a week to week basis, but he's definitely one you could pick to win every single week. So I think, I think he's, he's my first pick and I think he's gonna have a huge year. And, and we talked about Brooks Kepka a little bit ago and when he's healthy uh, he's pretty tough to count out. And, you know, the big tournaments seem to be where, well, the only time he plays, but uh, he, he seems to show up and find himself in contention in those tournaments every single every single time they're played. So I think those two guys to me are probably um, the two I would, I would throw some money on when that happens. And uh, I think both of them will probably have a, a big year. Yeah. You talked about Rory and uh, got me thinking, you know, you know, his path as far as had so much success early and then, um, you know, it wasn't even that he just leveled off, I guess, probably more than anything. Um, it wasn't, I mean, he was still there. He was still playing good golf. It just wasn't what he was when he burst on the scene. And so, um, you know, I, I feel, and maybe this is the blueprint for Jordan Spieth and maybe he's able to now kind of take a look at Rory and see, okay, here, you know, came out and, you know, played really well at the start of his career and then kind of hit that little sophomore slump or whatever you want to refer to it as. And, you know, kind of came back to the pack a little bit, and, and you know, maybe in the next year or two here, we can see we can see Jordan Spieth kind of step up and and start to, you know, more for him more than anything, he's just got to start putting better. But uh, hopefully, we can see him have a little bit of a recharge. Well, and I think with him, he's so he's wired so much differently than anybody else. And you know, when you talk about Jordan Spieth or a John Rahm, guys that maybe sometimes struggle with their emotions on the course, uh, that's the last thing that you need to worry about when, when maybe you're not hitting the ball as well. Um, it, you have to be able to, to lock in mentally. And Jordan Spieth just seems to get so frustrated when things don't go well. And, and then him and his caddy are barking back and forth. And, you know, those are, those aren't the things that you need to do to, to be successful. I think Rory's probably built a little better mentally to be able to get through some of those things. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, Jordan Spieth is obviously really, really good. I think, again, where you're talking about having to have everything line up, the mental part is, is just as big as the physical when it comes to the game of golf. And he, and he, you know, on the flip side, he used that to his advantage once, you know, once he got the momentum going, I mean, we've, we've all seen it. I mean, it was something he'd come in on six or seven and, and hit a 20 foot putt. And then it looked like he thought, and us as fans thought he was going to make every putt after that. And most of the time there on, on his run, he was, I mean, he was just, you know, using that, emotion and that energy to just really carry him but like you said I mean it can be something that you know no matter what the sport is we've seen we've seen that work both ways where it's you know you have those peaks and valleys and um, like you said a lot of times it's maturity and you know maybe even a little bit with Rory too and and you know getting to the point where you know things in his life off the course are a lot more settled and stable and you know, maybe that's what it takes sometimes for these guys to, to really just kind of lock in and, uh, you know, really improve their game on the course. Well, and I think we grew up in the, the Tiger Woods era where we just came to expect that the best player in the world shows up and wins every week. I mean, he was incredible in his in his prime and his run. 
it did feel like he was winning every single week out there. But that is such a a rare thing to to have happen in any sport. But again, with golf, when it's just you and you against the other guy, it's just you. And you know, I think with Rory and and Jordan, they got so big so fast that a lot of times sports it's a lot more difficult to sustain success than it is to achieve it the first time. So you got Rory. So Rory is going to be your pick uh, early on pick here uh, for player of the year. Um, I'm going to go my pick. My pick's going to be Justin Thomas. Um, he's a, he's a kid that, uh, you know, we've seen kind of work his way up. Um, obviously, you know, talking about Jordan Spieth, uh, him and him and Jordan obviously kind of came up at the same time, been buddies, and so you kind of see one without the other, um, and they the stories are are always kind of shared, and so it's interesting too on how different the stories are. As we mentioned, Jordan burst on the scene and had a ton of success early, and it, uh, Justin seemed to kind of have to earn his stripes a little bit, but that kid's ability to 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 uh, strike the ball and um, his ability to putt and, you know, maybe more so, like you said, just on the mental side of things, he seems to kind of starting to come into his own. Um, whether or not he's fully there, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, like I said, I just really like the kid. And so he's definitely going to be my pick here for 2020 to uh, burst out as, as player of the year. Um, one of my, one of my uh, sleeper picks then, as you mentioned earlier too, was, was a John Rahm. I think that, um, you know, he's got, he's got the game too. Uh, to be able to, if everything kind of aligns and comes together, he can, he can for sure uh, go out and win a tournament, if not put a scare in some of those other guys week in and week out. Well, I like the Justin Thomas pick. You know, I was at Aaron Hills uh, 2017 for the U.S. Open, and, and on Saturday when he shot that 63, um, you know, he had 285 left, and we're sitting in the, the grandstands on 18. He had 285 left, par five, and just rips uh, – a three wood to, you know, 15 feet uh, and goes up and makes the putt. I mean, certainly the, the game is there. The talent is there, um, you know, with, with the PGA tour, we talk about putting and all that other stuff, but at, at the end of the day, you got to be able to strike the ball and Justin Thomas and John Rahm can both strike it. I mean, you don't have to worry about where that's going. Cause those guys are going to, going to be able to make a, make a play on it wherever they're at, you know, the big thing with them is going to be, can you be a consistent putter enough? Can you, can you put yourself in that position mentally to, to try to win every single week? But certainly those two picks are not out of the question. You know, if you jump on and uh, do any gambling or bet on, bet on golf, I think, uh, I think we gave you a four or five really good places to start here uh, uh, as we move through. And as uh, things on the PGA tour get more solidified as far as where, where, where these events are going to land. We'll, we'll dive into the numbers a little bit more for our listeners and just kind of talk a little bit about what we see and what we like and, uh, you know, hopefully help you out. And if we can put a little extra change in your pocket, great. But, uh, we are also going to go ahead and say we are not experts. So, so don't, uh, don't blame us if, uh, things go sideways on you. But, uh, with that, then let's transition into, uh, our segment that we like to call only in golf. Um, which that golf there's a lot of a lot of really awesome neat things about it some written some unwritten about the game of golf um and that's what is part of what makes it so special is just kind of knowing knowing some of those rules and and having some of those things in place and so i put lee on the assignment to come up with something that we could chat about today and uh uh, lee what what do you got for what do you got for us today i really want to talk about the the gimme in golf and, and I say that because it's such a, it's such an interesting 
term that you you use like you basically just get to to have something you know like could you imagine as as parents or as husbands if they were just yeah well good enough go ahead and we'll call that good like that would be awesome i mean i'd be the greatest husband in the world if i could have a gimme every once in a while but but golf it's, it's funny you get it to a certain spot but nobody knows how far away that is what do you do how do you give somebody a gimme you know, I think it totally depends on what the circumstances are. Obviously, uh, a gimme on hole six looks completely different than a gimme on hole 16. Um, it's, you know, it's circumstantial, <laughs> de- depend largely on what a, what a gimme is, but, uh, and who's putting in, what, what they've shown and what they've proven along the way, too, I think is, is a big thing. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's hard to know because, and some people are just way more generous than others. Um, and with that being said, I think that the other rule that kind of the unwritten rule that follows a gimme is that is that you just you never put a gimme. No, well, you can't, well, that would be that'd be silly because you know what you're going to do. You're missing that thing. And there's it's a it's a lose lose situation at that point. But I think when you talk about what kind of gimmies you're going to get or give, um, you know, what kind of game are you playing? You know, how much money is on the line? We've we've played enough in in the same group where. You know, when if we play snakes, and for those of you that don't know what snakes is, that's a, that's a dollar into the pot every three putt. You know, you talk about 16, 17, 18, you don't want to be the last person that, that gets a three putt because then you got to pay everybody whatever that, that amount is in the pot. So you're, you might make somebody put a, a six-inch putt on 18 just because there's some money on the line. So I think that makes a big difference too. Um, you know, obviously on tour, you're not going to see any of that outside of match play, but, um, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon, when you're playing with your buddies, it's, uh, it can be the difference between, uh, a few dollars or a few drinks. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's just a fun thing to, to think about when you're talking about, you know, golf and how it equates to the game of life. I think a gimme might be one that maybe doesn't equate to, to real life uh, as much as some of the other things you do in that game. Speaking of real life, let's transition over to the commerce side of our podcast. Here we're going to talk some of the biggest headlines in the world of business and how they affect our day-to-day lives. No surprise here, but again, we're talking coronavirus. And what do you see uh, impacts long-term on our local businesses? Well, I think it kind of depends on, on what type of business you have, but certainly whatever type it is, um, people are going to have to get pretty creative during this, uh, this time. I, I don't exactly know, um, you know, what, what that means necessarily. I don't think it, it definitely means anything necessarily, but, um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens once we phase out of, of what we're doing now. And, and I hope we don't lose a lot of small businesses. I know, um, growing up in a small town, just like, like yourself, or, but even if it's a bigger, bigger town, you're talking about, small businesses being pretty important uh, in the overall landscape of a, of a community. And, and I hope that we're not, you know, getting to the point where we're going to lose too many of those types of businesses. I think it'd be crazy to think that we won't lose some, but you know, my mom owns a business, but it's a little different because it, it is a window company that they do a lot of installing um, windows and doors and, and other types of glass within, within buildings. And you know, when I talked to my mom, she said, I don't know if it's, um, because of the type of the time of the year that we're in, but I don't feel a lot different going to work because we're still doing what we're supposed to be doing, but that's not the case for everybody. So, um, it's really going to be interesting. And and like I said, I think people are going to be creative and I know you and I talked about, you know, you might see some, some businesses that make some adjustments after this 
you know, figuring out what really is essential to their business and what's important. And, and maybe they make some different changes, you know, scaling back or, or cutting some different things that maybe aren't necessary uh, for their business, but just things they've done, you know, because that's how they've always done it. Yeah. I do think that you're going to find some, some efficiency, um, things that business are going to do them back. Well, this is just way more efficient for us. You know, we, we never tried it because we were never faced with the opportunity. And now, you know, through different things, whether that's working at home, maybe it's not as much office space. Um, you know, maybe it's not as much, um, hopefully it's not employees, but you, you're definitely going to see some of that uh, to what degree, obviously we don't know. I think a, a big part of that will, de- will depend on what the duration of this thing and, and how long it lasts. But I definitely, I, I agree with you. I do think that you're going to see some businesses have to get a little more creative. And, I, you know, and honestly, I think that we are already seeing that. I think we're finding ways um, or businesses are finding ways to uh, take advantage of that, whether, whether it's um, companies like GM and Tesla who are now stepping in and, and going to help uh, build some of these uh, devices for the hospitals. Um, other companies built trying to step in and uh, doing meal deliveries or whatever it is. I, I think that, you know, we are a resilient um, society and I think that we're going to find a way to not only make the most of it, but be able to survive this. And, you know, small businesses too. It's one of those things that over the last couple of years, we've seen such a, such a large um, increase in, in far as far as support with small businesses. And so I hope that, that we see that continue to work. And I hope these people are able to keep the lights on and the doors open, um, you know, just long enough to be able to get back because I, I would imagine that different than other circumstances that we will see, we will see a bounce back once we have the opportunity, um, once these people are able to, to get out and, and to be in the community and be involved again. And, and I definitely hope that's the case for for workers, employees, but, but business owners as well. Yeah. And I think as, as consumers, um, there's still a lot of things that we can do to help businesses like that too. You know, when you talk about a restaurant, you're not able to go anymore. You know, a lot of those places are still offering food. You just go and get it or get it delivered. Um, you know, I think there's ways that we can still help. Like you said, the bounce back. I, I think we will. I think people will be so ready to, to get back to doing things uh, normally I think there will be the bounce back. It's just surviving until, until we get to that point. With any crisis comes an opportunity. What do you see some of these businesses being able to do to step up and separate themselves from everybody else during these tough times? I think the biggest thing businesses can do now is, is kind of show off their leadership a little bit and, you know, show how they deal with some tough times. And, you know, there's, there's some pretty big, public relations opportunities at this point, you know, how can you help people besides with what you normally do? You know, and I think that's a, a sign of, of a company that, that does things the right way. And then, you know, the leadership part, the people that are, are leaders, it's pretty easy when things are going well, uh, but you, you find out what type of leader somebody is uh, when the situation is a little bit more grim and, and how you can push through that and get people to, to do things, um, you know, even when the outlook isn't great. So, I think leadership in, in public relations is probably the biggest opportunities that businesses have at this point. And uh, I think we're going to see some, some people really step up. And I think we already, we already are. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, yeah, I think those two things are, are where you're going to see businesses separate themselves from others. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Pandemic or not, you know, good companies are built around good leadership and good people. 
And that's why experts always say to invest in people, not products, because those leadership positions are the ones that can make those decisions and can pivot when times get tough. And sometimes that also means just weathering the storm. I mean, you take a look at a company like Blue Apron, for example, on March 13th, uh, they were sitting there scrambling, trying to keep their heads above water. And almost overnight, um, their stock went up over 300% because of this pandemic and, and the need now all of a sudden for their company. And so, you know, this situation is going to force people into making some difficult decisions, you know, but companies have to be able to pivot and, and, and be able to make those changes to survive. You know, everyone's got to make some, some adjustments at, at this time. Um, you know, there's, there's no right way or, or, you know, perfect way of doing it, but hopefully you, you can find a way to, to stay afloat and try to just ride the ship until, until it comes time where, where is, where there is the bounce back. How have you seen it uh, impact your life uh, as a realtor in the real estate market? Yeah, we are seeing an impact, but it's it's really taken the last five or six days to really notice. You know, the biggest thing is that we are having more homes go pending or come off the market in the last seven days than we are have, having come on to the market, uh, which is very unusual for this time of year because this is our peak selling season and this is the time that you know, many sellers have been waiting for to list their home and get it on the market. And so you throw a pandemic in there and, and people tend to want to hold tight and just wait and kind of see what happens. And, you know, probably even more than that is than the uncertain times is the fact that, you know, sellers don't want a lot of people trucking through their homes right now with the virus. And, you know, we understand that and everyone is doing their best to help limit exposure by, you know, not overlapping on showing times or, you know, providing hand sanitizer and wipes for those coming through the house. But it's still just, it's difficult. And, you know, we understand that and trying to relay that information to our sellers. And, uh, you know, at the same time, the buyers that are out that are looking and, um, you know, are out there with the need and, and, and are probably very serious. And so there, there's, there's definitely good and bad with this, um, you know, but, uh, as as we continue to see an impact, I think it'll be interesting to see once we move past um, what uh, what that means for me and my colleagues. And hopefully that is a, a crazy summer and a, a, a mad dash to Thanksgiving to get all these properties sold and moved. You know, just buying a house, you know, not quite two years ago, um, I've already dug into the refinancing option and just how much money that can save with the interest rates the way they are. So again, not you know, not a situation we want to be in, but there are some things that you can do in, in this type of situation where you can, you know, better yourself, family, and in the situation you're in as well. Well, yeah. And as you mentioned from the buyer side of things too, is, you know, normally in March you're, you're against so much competition where right now, um, as, as I've been out showing a few houses here and there, I mean, it's something where you, you know, you don't have the same uh, amount of competition that you would have in March. So if you can take advantage of, um, you can get out there and find a place that really suits you. Uh, it'll probably end up being a good thing for you. And yeah, and like you said, obviously interest rates are a lot, they, they follow the stock market. So they're kind of volatile, they're up and down. Um, you know, a couple, a little over two weeks ago, we saw record lows with those. And like yourself, I obviously hooked in and, and, and did some refinancing on our place as well. And uh, you know, was able to save almost a whole percent on our mortgage. And so it's something where there, there are definitely good things that come from it. Uh, you know, with the stock market, too, I know that there's um, a lot of people who uh, are nervous about it. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who are jumping in and are buying. I mean, it's a time where you got cash on hand and you can go ahead and buy. Now's the time to, to buy and, and, and to take advantage yeah, of the I mean, situation. I think, you know, you talked about our society being pretty resilient. It's also pretty intelligent. So there's a there's a lot of people that, 
um, can can take situations like this and and ultimately turn it into a positive for themselves. So um, that's pretty cool to see. Um, again, I, I think take advantage of those opportunities when you have them, um, and know that you know not it's not going to last forever. So you know, research, do your you know do some thinking about you know what is best for you, and then you know, like I said, be smart. And, and now's a good time to take advantage of co- those couple things. Perfect. Then uh, what we want to do to end each podcast is we're going to do a segment which we call Busy Getting Busy. The whole idea behind this is to feature some local businesses that uh, are really doing their part in the community to make this place that we call home a place that we love and uh, a place that we like to share with our friends. And so so with that, let's uh, let's take a look at that, Lee. And uh, who who do you like to give a shout out today on on Busy Getting Busy? Uh, a couple different ones. The first one uh, is the the station on Ingersoll. And the reason why I know that one, like I do is TJ rushing, um, who people may know from, uh, prep, prep hoops, Iowa. Um, he, he has since ended that venture and gone into, uh, to owning a, uh, bar and grill on Ingersoll. It's called the station. And, uh, they are uh, now handing out free meals to people. They are, they're taking their orders during a, about a five hour, uh, portion of the day. And then they're actually, giving those meals to those people for free. They have a certain uh, item that they make each day and that's what they're giving out. I think that's pretty cool. And you talk about a, a business that doesn't necessarily have to do something like that. You know, you know, we're talking about the PR part. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing and a pretty good way of, of building that um, PR with, with other people. Uh, the next one, uh, Hy-Vee. And I know cause I go there a lot cause well, you got to take care of a lot of kids. You go to the store a lot. Um, their first hour in the morning uh, is, is dedicated for shopping for anyone over 60 expectant mothers and then anybody else with an underlying health issue. You know, when you talk about the world that we're living in right now, you know, to be able to give the opportunity to those that, that this virus may affect uh, more so than others is a pretty, a pretty cool way. You know, you're blocking out a whole hour of your business for, for those people. Um, again, they're still making money, but at the same time, that's a pretty uh, cool public relations way of, of attracting some other customers. Yeah, and I know Fairway's doing the same thing, um, which is great too. We have a Fairway just down just down the street from us, and so it's obviously like you mentioned, it's something that I definitely frequent, and so uh, it's 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 a cool idea. I mean, it's it's a really great way for them to um, be able to protect the, the community and the public. Uh, obviously, their hours have adjusted as well. And so I think that um, the first hour in which that they would normally be open, they're spending cleaning, getting everything ready to go. Um, thus, the reason on why they feel comfortable then opening it up for for those that uh, are a little bit higher risk there right away in the morning. Um, and then closing a little bit early, too, to kind of wipe things down and, you know, just take take a few extra steps to make sure that they're doing their part to to keep us healthy and, and understand that uh, obviously groceries and food are, are definitely a, a central part of our lives and that it's something that uh, we're going to, we're going to need here as we continue to move forward. And um, you know, I do think it's one of those things where the uh, initial fear um, we had some craziness at some of the stores and um, we're, we're definitely over our number limits with the, with the rush of people trying to get the toilet paper and whatever it was. Um, I do think that we've seen that level off a little bit. You know, the business is able to catch up um, as far as getting things back stocked. And uh, I don't know about you, but I, you know, outside of the paper products, I guess toilet paper is still a little slim. I, 
I haven't noticed a, a ton of difference when I. Go you know, honestly, I was too. I was tasked to go find some flour the other day. I could not find any flour uh, at the stores. I don't I don't understand that one. I, in fact, I don't understand the toilet paper one either. But um, I think just the unexpected, the unknown of this whole thing. Uh, just drove people to, to do things a little differently than they normally would. So, uh, yeah, there's certainly some products that are a little bit uh, more difficult to find than others. I mean, it's one of those things where you can go down the aisles and you can, you can definitely kind of start to see, hey, what, what, do, what do people really, um, really enjoy? And everyone seems to, to just pick certain things in the, the, that are essential to them, you know, and, um, you know, everyone kind of has a different opinion most of the time. But when it comes down to a situation like this, you find out the things that people consider essential and, and versus non-essential. So, yeah, I think there's definitely a way for a business to look back and, and kind of evaluate what they're doing and how they can continue to serve uh, what people are looking for. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see once uh, once we can kind of get back to what we remember as uh, what we remember as normal uh, to see uh, see see what these businesses and what they're able to do and and a big part of the businesses and a big part of the communities um, in general are are really the schools in the school district and I know you and I talked a little bit about this off air but uh, that's that's one of the areas um, you know locally at least for us, um, that you're going to see the largest number of people in one place. And so what's your gut feeling telling you here as far as the schools? First of all, you know, talk a little bit about the reaction. So there was um, a week coming up where they knew people weren't going to be in the schools. Um, But even before that started, when this became a bigger um, issue than, um, than what we had thought, you know, a couple months ago, um, our facilities department was cleaning our schools like crazy. They, they invested in some new, they almost looked like star Wars guns that, that they could disinfect, you know, uh, bars on a, on a door and just things, you know, they could do a little bit quicker. Uh, they started that before, um, really any of the schools were, were thinking about shutting down. And then, you know, with, with sports, you know, track has been going on for a while and boys soccer was set to start that week of spring break. Um, and it, as of Sunday afternoon, we were planning on doing what we were going to do. And then that Sunday night is when governor Reynolds came out and, and advised schools to, to close. And, and we um, made our adjustments after that. And uh, you know, obviously the, the state athletic associations came out the, that following Monday and said that we're suspending all activities. So um, I think, you know, like you said, it's such a unique situation with schools because there's so many people in a, in a, in a space that, you know, you do have to do things a little bit differently and think of it differently than, than a lot of other places. So um, I think the one thing we know is, is administrators, um, teachers, parents, um, anyone else that, that is part of the decision-making or, or able to give feedback, you know, we, we know that the decision is, is being based on what's best for our kids. And in the future of, of that school, you know, we can't, worry about going back to school on this day. We've got to make sure that we have everything in place where um, things are safe for our kids to go back whenever that may be. Yeah. And it's definitely one of those things where when you look at big picture um, and getting back for a month of school or the overall health and well-being of not only the students, but the community. um, Yeah. Just, it just seems like it, it just seems like the benefits and the good that would come out of it are just, just don't equal up with what the risk could potentially come from that. 
um, you know, and with this situation as a whole, I think that the biggest, the biggest issue with it is, is this, we don't know. I mean, it's something where you just, you, you really don't know. Everyone's trying to do the best they can to make the right decisions. And it's difficult. It, it's a difficult decision when, uh, you know, when, when, when you don't know, you haven't been there, uh, you know, going back to that leadership, it's just, you kind of got to lean on leadership and the, the people that are making those decisions and then ultimately support them. Yeah. And I think we've seen a lot of, of school leaders step up in times like this. And, um, you know, the biggest thing right now is you see the, the different schools that are offering uh, free lunches to kids. Um, you see the different schools that are going to pay hourly workers while they're not working. You know, those are, those are two things um, that, that help really keep everyone moving forward and um, kind of, it helps, you know, your school, you know, stay towards the top end of, of what you're trying to do. And, um, you know, those two things are, are pretty important to, to a lot of people. And when you're talking about people's livelihoods here and, and kids, there are, are a lot of kids that their only meals are coming from when they go to school, you know, so to be able to take care of that population is really important. And, and again, your, your hourly employees at schools probably get overlooked quite a bit, but they're pretty big parts of, of what we try to do. And, and to be able to take care of those two populations, I think is, is really important for schools. Well, and like we've said multiple times too, I think it's a little bit of perspective and being able to take a look and, you know, hit the reset button. I mean, it, it would be something that uh, I would imagine it, it, in the middle of, in the middle of March, if you would tell most of your most of your teachers that uh, hey, we're gonna give you a, we're gonna give you three weeks off and uh, go home and be away from these kids, they would probably all jump at the opportunity. And um, now having that opportunity, they're all missing their kids and they're wishing they were in the class and they want to be back and teaching and, and doing what they love. And so hopefully, it does uh, provide a little bit of uh, you know of motivation and appreciation for what it is that you know that the schools provide uh, the teachers provide and hopefully these kids too kind of see it as as I know that uh, eventually even with with uh, my 12 year old at home is it, it's getting to the point where I think that she would uh, take going back to school over over sitting around the house some more yeah this this situation in theory sounds a lot cooler uh, than it really is. You know, when you talk about, you know, would you want to have a few weeks off? Well, certainly you'd want to have a few weeks off if that was what was going to happen. But, you know, the, the terms that dictate that, that time off um, certainly doesn't make it very much fun. And I know uh, I have not run into one teacher, or one coach that wouldn't want to be around their kids right now and, and get back to a little bit of normalcy and, and we'll get there. Um, but yeah, certainly this, uh, this situation is, is not nearly, um, as fun as some would think um, it would be. No, it certainly isn't. But uh, we we've definitely seen where where most people are 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 doing what they can to survive, um, doing what they can to thrive when when at all possible. And uh, more than anything, hopefully hopefully we are able to see the silver lining and get past this. Um, hopefully even by the next time we jump on here and do do our podcast, I'm I'm hoping that maybe we have a few more things to talk about. Maybe we won't be completely in the clear. Uh, maybe schedules won't be completely set, but uh, really just hoping that uh, we have a little bit better idea as far as what's to come and, and can start to prepare for that future and start to, to prepare to get back to a little bit of normalcy as we know it. And, uh, you know, take these changes as they come and uh, continue to learn and learn and grow from from each one of them. 
And so, uh, you know, as we wrap up here today, if you've made it this long with us, we, we really appreciate it. Obviously, this is episode one, um, plenty more to come. A lot of things in which we want to dive in here uh, on the Two Putt Podcast. Uh, you know, your input is is definitely appreciated. So if you want to want to shoot us over a message, uh, jump on. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get you on the pod if it works for you and your schedule. Um, we just want to hear from you. And we're, we're doing this as for something for us that's fun. Uh, two things that we really enjoy and uh, you know we we look forward to uh, to moving forward with this podcast yeah like like Brian said you know if, if you have anything you want to want to give to us you know follow us on Twitter at two putt pod we'd love to to take any sort of input and questions that you guys may have and, and again like he said you know get you on the pod and, and it'd be a lot of fun and um, you know we can kind of steer this uh, a lot of different ways but definitely the two things that you know we're pretty passionate about our our commerce and golf and, and we found a way that we can combine it and we're looking forward to, to moving it forward mm-hmm.